So how do you talk to a billionaire? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. You know, I love it when he talks about maybe you need a tune-up. You know, being a car guy, yeah, maybe you need some new spark plugs, some new wires, maybe an EGR valve, which my son was talking to me about today in his car. Well, those little components will make a car run really rugged. The same little things in our own lives can do the same. We're going to talk about how to smooth things out, get the ride that you want. Hey, our business partner today is Casper Mattress. You hear me talk about Casper all the time. You know I love my Casper mattress. We're going to be gone a significant amount of time in the next month, and I'm already dreading being gone for my Casper. Stick around. I'll tell you how you can get a super deal on getting your own. Well, how do you talk to a billionaire? We'll come back to that in a little bit here. Here's some of the other questions we're going to be talking about. This is kind of a comment. Dan, I find it very frustrating when you say if anyone wants a job, they can find one. We'll talk about that. Somebody says, I'm more than a sales coordinator. What can I call myself? Dan, all my decisions are made with making art as my final goal. How can I do that? Dan, any ideas on what I could do as a pilot that could help me and my family? Well, we'll start with those. See if we got time for more. We got some good news. Here's our Cliff Feitner poem for the day. You know Cliff is an active member of 48 Days Eagles. You can check out that group. We got some fun things going on there, 48dayseagles.com. But this is Cliff's poem for today. This is a day you won't dread, especially if you've followed and read Dan's teachings and books. Gave them more than just looks. You'll love how you go earning your bread. Ah, talk about an artist. Cliff's art and the way he puts words together to make those amazing poems continues to amaze me. I mean, I love to write. But I can't do poems. Just doesn't come out that way. I admire other people who have art where it does make sense. Our quotation today comes from Cervantes. I've always loved this. Very simple. The road is better than the inn. That's I-N-N, not E-N-D. The road is better than the inn. That means the journey should be enjoyable. We've always taken that approach when we've taken vacations or just road trips or whatever, going anywhere. If it's driving to church or whatever with our kids, when they were growing up, it wasn't just a matter of how soon can we get there. No, the adventure starts the minute we walk out our door. That's when the adventure starts and we make it an adventure. Lots of stops. There have been times when, you know, Joanne and I have been traveling to North Carolina or whatever from Nashville and golly, we'll stop at garage sales and little festivals and side towns along the way. Yeah, lots of time. Just make it an adventure from beginning to end. The road is better than the end. The same thing is true in our life's journey. Too many people are just waiting for one day. One day they're going to be able to do this. One day they're going to be able to enjoy life. One day they're going to be able to not have to go to work that they don't like. Well, What if you focused on making that one day today? I mean, there are ways to do that. That's our whole focus here to make that what you're shooting for something that comes into view now. Well, 
I did talk about Casper. I want to come back to that just real quickly here before we move on. You know how I feel about the Casper mattress. We have that as our primary mattress, the king that Joanne and I sleep in, then in our guest rooms as well. Our guests know that. We always get comments when people st stay there. I don't know how to describe exactly how they do it, but it's got just that right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce. I mean, I like to sleep pretty close to the edge, and sometimes a mattress will get kind of worn down, so it kind of slopes down. Boy, not, not our Casper. Not at all. It's breathable design, sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. I mean, just all those cool things. Plus, buying a Casper mattress completely risk-free. They offer free delivery. Yep, comes right to your door. Free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you on everything. They understand the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. There you go. If you spend eight hours a night, it's a third of your life. You better have something that's great. I believe Casper is the deal. Well, just go to casper.com slash sleepyoulove. And then use the promo code SLEEPYOULOVE to save $50 off your purchase. Go there. You'll see a welcome page to the 48 Days to the Work You Love listeners. Again, casper.com slash sleepyoulove. Then use the promo code SLEEPYOULOVE to save $50 off your purchase. Well, I heard a lady talking recently about having met three billionaires in a week. So, you know, people that have... A lot of money. Now, she lamented that she needed to prepare for these chance meetings with billionaires. I mean, she needed to somehow have a warning so she'd know how she should talk, what she should say, you know, how to listen carefully and how to really, you know, hear those morsels of wisdom you would expect to come from a billionaire. Well, there was a gentleman standing nearby. He said, why don't you speak to everyone as if they were a billionaire? Someone standing next to you right now may be the next one. Golly, I love that advice. Speak to everyone as if they were a billionaire. I mean, speak to, we, we had, Joanna and I had a, just one of those random conversations the other night. We were at a restaurant, a new restaurant here in Franklin, Tennessee, where there's just delightful waitress. She was just wonderful in every way that you would want a waitress to be. And as we were leaving, she said, now, if you come back in, you know, ask for me, but hopefully I won't be here because I will have moved on in my career. Well, what's Dan Miller going to do with a statement like that left hanging in the air? I said, oh my gosh, what do you hope to be doing? She said, I want a job in journalism. And I said, really, what are you doing to advance that career in writing? She says, well, I'm applying, you know, to the newspapers, the magazines that are in this town, you know, I'm just applying. I have a degree in journalism and I just can't seem to get any traction. I said, oh my goodness, the things you're doing are antiquated. You're looking for positions that aren't going to be here three years from now anyway. I said, you need to get in the game. You don't need anybody to give you permission to get in the game as a writer. And it so happens we had just come that afternoon from Jeff Goins' Tribewriters Conference, where he'd spent the whole weekend with a whole bunch of very successful writers who are doing all kinds of things. You know, people who just started a blog and all of a sudden, golly, they're traveling all over the world because of how the blog has monetized for them. People, one guy uh, put his content up just in a short period of time, put it out. He really wanted to write, but nobody would talk to him as a 
you know, in terms of a book deal, because he wasn't a known entity. He started putting his content up on Medium. And anybody can do that. Just put it up there. Well, he put up a lot of content and people started commenting on all of a sudden he had a whole bunch of followers. He just got a $225,000 advance on his very first book deal. So I was telling this gal, her name is Brittany. I said, oh my goodness, we can connect you, girl. I said, I need to send you. I said, I will send you a copy of Jeff Goins' book, Real Artists Don't Starve. I'll also send you a copy of Wisdom Meets Passion, the book that I wrote with my son, Jared, about how to combine your passion with your work. And I said, I can connect you right now here in Franklin with writers groups, other writers who are in the same place as you that can open the door to all kinds of things. Well, she was, I mean, she got teary-eyed. She got all choked up. She she says, how, how is this happening to me? She said, I've been looking for a connection like this. She re- moved to Nashville about a year ago and said, it's just been dry. She's been waiting tables, waiting for her chance to get a job in journalism. Wow, we can put that little gal in the middle of writers and open the door. She will, it'll explode her mind with the opportunities. Anyway, I've already gotten a sweet note from her and I did send her those books. So we're going to connect her. But hey, those are the kind of chance meetings that you that you have. Are they chance? Eh, I don't know. Joanna and I don't look at them as such. We When we meet anybody, you know, we kind of are, the question is going through our head. Are we here to help them? Or are they here to help us? I mean, we expect those mutually beneficial kind of contacts. And it's a delight to meet a young girl like Brittany. Well, hey, a couple quick success stories here. And then we'll go into some questions for the day. In early 2016, 57-year-old Catherine Lowe found herself on the precipice of turbulent life, wondering if it was all worth it. Struggling through declining health in a bitter divorce, she decided to follow the promptings of her younger sister, Carol, who was keen to travel to Nepal for a trekking adventure. Despite a wariness to visit the small, unstable country uh, that just a little bit earlier had been devastated by a massive earthquake, they went. They found themselves on a small plane coming in to the world's most dangerous landing strip. So she said, before I left, I wrote up my will. I didn't expect to come back. I was either going to find an existence over there or quietly fall off the side of a mountain. So they did some trekking in the mountains, long 10-hour treks. Well, in one of those, they found themselves stranded in a little town with the locals One of these villagers was to become a friend who would help Catherine discover the true purpose of her journey so far from home. So in talking with this family, she learned how deprived some of the kids in that town were for just getting basic education. It cost $15 a month to go to school and some of the parents couldn't afford that. So she met this little eight-year-old boy who begged to be allowed to go into school but his parents couldn't afford the $15 a month. Well, she was heartbroken. So she had a little bit of money. So she decided she would scout out the poorest children who had very little hope of being able to go to get that education. So she did that. Then she, it's, it moved on as those great ideas. Once you discover your passion, something that is a cause that you care about, you discover resources you didn't even know you had. So she had a little bit of savings. Not only did she start paying for kids to go to school there in Nepal, but she also discovered, you know, just decided they really needed a better school building. So she 
started a GoFundMe thing. She told some friends. She raised the money, built a school. She's there and really feels like this saved her from her own plan to end her own life. I mean, that's that's what happens. I mean, suicide obviously doesn't look very appealing if you have a cause, if you know your passion. Retirement loses its appeal if you have something about which you're passionate. I mean, if you really care about something, you don't want to get up in the morning and have nothing to do, sit on the front porch and just look out and watch the grass grow. I mean, it just, it disappears. The appeal of retirement disappears. I know we talk about it a lot in our culture, but it's something that means we're trying to escape the life we're living now. Wow. Don't find yourself in that kind of position. Well, here's a story out of Florida with the recent hurricane that came through. There were 70 foster children that didn't have any place to go. And they found sanctuary in an unlikely place, a millionaire's mansion. Now, this is a real deal. The foster, the SOS Children's Village in Florida, kids from there, 70 kids have been staying in a gymnasium for a week without showers. They needed to find other accommodations. So there's a former executive, magazine executive, who has a $30 million mansion. He and his wife opened their home. They just opened their doors to these kids. I mean, a lot of these kids, you know, don't have a mom and dad, so they're scared. And... They're not sure what's coming next. They open their doors. They've been treating them to live music and manicures and performances by a balloon artist. I mean, now this is a temporary situation, but they're open to doing this until better arrangements are made. I mean, I love this kind of stories that come out of a, a crisis. Again, that's when we see people drop their differences and work together because there's a common cause. I love to see those kind of things, not hoping for the hardships that precipitate them, but it's, it's wonderful to hear these kind of stories. Well, let's grab some questions here. Sarah says, in a job search, it's common to use your title on your resume. I'm currently a sales coordinator and I'm looking to expand my horizons. In the past, I haven't properly represented my value. I'm about 10 years into my career and understand my worth. I have a unique ability to help big picture thinkers achieve their goals by tracking the fine details and creating or improving systems for increased efficiency, leaving the sales managers unencumbered with clutter and better able to focus on selling, leading to increased sales. How can I better position myself and my value? I find most places are only looking for assistance, but with my experience and expertise, I'm so much more. Should I leave the title off or do something in place of it? Well, Sarah, I love that second paragraph. Golly, I would do that. And I would use as a title. I mean, you, you can give yourself any kind of a title that you want. You say you've been a sales coordinator. I mean, if you want to give yourself the title of senior level executive assistant, if you can back that up, by describing some of the things that you've done, that's not unreasonable. That's not misrepresentative at all. I mean, you can be an executive administrative assistant, senior administrative assistant, administrative specialist, you know, project coordinator. I mean, I don't know. You decide what fits you, but you can be senior level executive assistant and then just use that sentence that you use, that one sentence. I have a unique ability to help big picture thinkers achieve their goals by tracking the fine details and creating or improving systems for increased efficiency, leaving the sales managers unencumbered with clutter and better able to focus on selling, leading to increased sales. Wow. 
I mean, I want you to come work for me. I love that sentence. So go ahead and do that. You can do that. Give yourself a title that you want. I mean, when, when people, here's an example. I oftentimes have somebody who's been a stay-at-home mom for 18 years. Well, now the kids are gone off to college and mom's ready to get back in the workplace in a more traditional way. What's she going to put on there? You know, housewife, you know, duster, you know, refrigerator cleaner. Well, no, but look at the things that a, a mom can put on a resume effectively. You can put on their transportation logistics manager. You know, project coordinator. Maybe you were in charge of fundraising at the PTA where your kids went to school. Or maybe you helped coordinate the vacation Bible school program at your church. I mean, you can put things on your resume for which you were not paid. Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, lots of us do that. I mean, there are things where you have proven competence. So list those things. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a 16-year-old and have never had a paid job. You ought to be able to put together a resume that describes your highest areas of competence. You certainly can as a housewife with all the things that you're expected to do. And if you want to change, change titles for what you've been doing, go ahead and list why you would be great at doing the thing that you want to move into. Absolutely, you can do that. Well, hey, just a quick note here while we're thinking about this. Just to remind you, these are real questions coming from people just like you and me. Love hearing your questions, your real life situations. You got a question you'd like me to work into the mix in an upcoming week, just shoot it to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now you can also go to any page on our website and just use the little microphone there, SpeakPipe. You know, that's what it, it, it just reminds me. I got a note today that SpeakPipe, the, the technology is changing with the new operating system on an iPhone. Well, it happens all the time. I mean, keeping up with technology these days is a hoot. We're working on right now a description of the apps that we use, just some of the programs that we use to uh, keep things going in a small business like we have at 48 Days. And I think the list is now at 42 different things, things that most of which we are paying some kind of fee to have access to a program to make our business work. It's pretty mind boggling. It frustrates me. I'm looking for ways to streamline and simplify. So maybe I can get Sarah, who I just described here, is ready for a new position. She may be the person I'm looking for. Well, Brian says this. Hi, Dan. I purchased your book, did the 48 days, and I'm a regular listener of your podcast. On more than one occasion, you've essentially said that if anyone wants a job, they can have one. I find it very frustrating. Anytime I hear you say that, you're correct in the sense that if I want a low-paying job with no benefits, there are plenty to be found. However, I've been looking for three years now to find a job in one of my two fields and have yet to find one. And to make matters worse, The two fields I have experience and skills in are frequently on top jobs list. Why am I having such a problem then? I can't prove it, but I believe it's age discrimination. I'm going to jump over. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to have you listen and guess how old this guy is. Okay, so I'm mm, 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 old and I'm an experienced web developer and user experience designer. I've applied for many jobs, interviewed for some and still haven't received a single offer. Age discrimination is a widely acknowledged thing in my field. I was even told by a company that I was doing contract work for that I wouldn't even be considered for a full-time position because they hire only entry-level employees. Am I just out of luck or just making excuses? I would hire a coach to evaluate my resume, interviewing skills, 
but I don't have money to spend on something like that, especially if it doesn't result in a decent job. I'm currently working part-time to bring in some money while I work to start a business, but things look pretty bleak at the moment. Thoughts? Sincerely, old man. Well, old man that's writing to us is 53. 53 years old. My goodness, you could have 30 more years of productive work. I mean, 40, who knows? But it's sure not old enough to think you're too old. Now, age discrimination. Here's my, I'll I'll just call you old man at this point. Here's my experience with this. Everybody I talk to has a reason they aren't getting hired. I'm too old. I'm too young. How's I'm going to get it? How am I going to get hired when they say they need experience? I don't have any experience. Why won't they hire me? I'm 23 years old. got a fresh college degree. I can't get hired because I don't have any experience. Gee, I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too white. I'm too black. I mean, it goes, we can go on and on and on. Everybody I talk to has some reason why they aren't getting hired. I absolutely cannot believe that at 53 years old, you're getting a significant amount of age discrimination. My goodness. I mean, employers, I mean, there, there are job fairs for only people over 50. I went to one recently here in Nashville, a job fair for just people over 50 because companies realize people over 50 have a better work ethic. They have more maturity personally. Their personal lives aren't as volatile. They aren't going to screw around on the weekends. You know, they're going to show up on Monday mornings. I mean, they have mature skills that have been developed. They've seen changes in technology. They understand that. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. Companies are looking for people who are at least 50 years old. Here's the deal. They were expecting to have maybe 40 companies that would apply for booths at this career fair. 40 companies here in Nashville that would be looking for people specifically over 50. You know how many they had? 223. 223 companies said, let me in, let me in. We want to be there looking for people over 50. Wow. You, you, okay, now let's go a little further on this because here's the deal. Any of you who are in a job search, we'll come back and deal with old man here, 53 years old, limping along, using a cane, bifocals, can't see anymore. Well, I mean, surely, I hope you're not in that kind of position physically. Good grief. I was 53 a, a long time ago. Uh, and, um, I certainly didn't feel old then and as I don't now, but let's look at the process. Let's look at the chain of things that have to happen for you to get a job because we ought to be able to define immediately where is the breakdown. So number one, you have to have a clear focus. What is it that you have clearly developed marketable areas of competence skills in these two or three areas? What is that? What is it that you do that has clear value for an organization. So a clear focus, something that embraces your skills and abilities, your personality, tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. Boom. Got to have that. Next step. Number two, a resume that reflects the very best of what it is you do and positions you in a way that clearly makes you an attractive candidate for what you want to do. 
Now, we've already talked. If you want to redirect, you can do that. It's a great time to do that. I don't care if you've got a MD or DDS or JD behind your name. You can redirect if you want to. So clear focus, number one, resume, number two. Number three, introduction letter. So you send a letter out to prospective companies. When you make your target list of companies, it doesn't matter who says they've got positions open or what you see on job boards. If you see it there, you've already missed your window of opportunity. It's too late. You just make a list of companies you'd like to look for. Everybody's hiring. I mean, unemployment is so low. There are so many unfilled positions. Every viable company out here is looking for good people to bring on board. If they find the right person, they're going to bring you on board. Introduction letter. So that's what it does. It goes out, says I'm exploring new opportunities in this area. These are my skills. You can expect to receive a cover letter and and resume from me in the next four or five days. Boom. That's number four. The next step is a cover letter and resume. The next step is a phone call. Follow up those. Don't just send those out blind to a million people and hope somebody calls you. No, do that with 30 or 40 companies, then do phone calls. I'm following up on a resume I sent you earlier this week. Really excited about getting together. I'm going to be in your area tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock. Could I just stop by and say hi? Wow. Well, sure. Yeah. You just made it a whole lot easier for that person to at least get to the next step. Even if your academic qualifications and experience aren't greater than some of the other people in the stack of resumes, you just made the job easier. The next step is the interview itself. So you go in, actually have an interview. The next step is to get an offer. So we can look at any point on that sequence of things. If you aren't getting to the next point, where's it breaking down? If you're sending out resumes and doing phone calls and you haven't gotten one interview, yeah, let's look at your resume. Your resume isn't presenting you well enough that it even whets their appetite where they want to talk to you. Yeah, work on that. I had a lady one time stop me after a presentation. She said, I want you to look at my resume. Tell me what's wrong. I'm not getting any job offers. I said, how many interviews have you had? She said, 53. I folded her resume over and handed it back to her. I said, I don't need to look at your resume. Your resume is doing wonderfully. If you've had 53 job offers, that's not where the problem lies. If you've had four or five interviews and have not gotten a job offer, we know where the challenge is. It's something in the interview. Something in the interview is telling people, we don't like this person. We don't trust this person. We don't think this person would be a good part of our team. Something isn't working for you. Now, that's not a criticism, but just be realistic about that. Trust me, if you've had four or five job offers in today's job market and have not gotten a job offer, You need to polish your resume. You need to practice your, I mean, your interview. You need to practice your interview. You need to have somebody role play with you. You know, have them take the other seats, switch seats. You interview you with them playing you. You need to work on that. So at any point, clear focus, number one, resume, number two, introduction letter, cover letter and resume, phone calls, interviews, offers. We could go right through that sequence and see where's the breakdown. If one isn't leading to the next, we stop and work on that piece. Well, golly. Yeah, you know, I, I, I stick to my guns on this. I mean, there are so many places that are desperately seeking people. And this is not just for, I mean, you know, I, I did a presentation over the weekend. And I talked about 
having money to invest in yourself. And even if you only make $12 an hour, you ought to be investing 3% of your income back into your personal development, which in that case would be $58 a month. So you can buy a couple books, get an online course or whatever. And I said, golly, in the county where we are right here, Williamson County, you'd have a hard time finding a $12 an hour job. Why? Because people know they have to pay more than that to get anybody. I mean, my gosh, you can go to Taco Bell and get $14 an hour, Home Depot, $16 an hour, part-time at UPS, you know, 15 bucks an hour. I mean, it's so the companies are just so desperate. If you're clear on what it is you do that has value, there are opportunities out there. And if you went around, I mean, I wish I had time to commit to go with you and go out and just take an afternoon and knock on 15 doors. I'm confident we would find, get two job offers if we, in fact, did that with uh, me being your guide, your coach, or whatever. Well, I, I hope you uh, can find where the problem is and uh, break the log jam there and uh, not be thinking that there's age discrimination. I really don't think that has anything to do with your lack of success. Tim says, Dan, I'm a client of the great Michael McGreevy. And he recommended I email you with this question. Well, Michael McGreevy is one of our great 48 days certified coaches. He's an awesome coach, lives in Buffalo, New York, and uh, coaches young men that we send to him left and right. So love what Michael's doing. So anyway, Tim says, I'm an incredible artist. It's always been my passion and love. You can see my portfolio here and I'll share it. You guys can go there and give Tim ideas as well. It's Tim Barron, B-A-R-O-N.com. So you can go there, check out his art. Now what he does, I did go there and check and it's, it's cartoonish, you know, action figures, those kind of things. So for over 15 years, Tim says, I've worked at a financial institution as a graphic designer to support my family. I graduated with a fine art degree in drawing, but my heart has always been as an artist and illustrator. The pay has always been just enough to keep me here. And since I didn't see any other options and because it allowed me maximum time to pursue my art on the side and be present for my family, I stayed, but I believe it's time to move on. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Art is my life, my ultimate goal. All my decisions are made with making art as my final goal destination as a vocation. So this is what I'm pursuing with the help of a coach. One of the key dilemmas I'm running into is how do I make the necessary connections to maintain a consistent influx of work? I've done incredible work for a couple great companies, but it's been sporadic and not nearly enough to replace my current salary. I do great work. I hit crazy deadlines. I have passion and drive. I have much to offer. I give 110% as an artist illustrator, all while working a 40 hour a week day job. I'd like to quit my day job and see myself fully unleashed as an artist. Any advice would be appreciated. Thanks so much for your time, Dan, Tim. Okay. Now to start with, we need to recognize that most companies don't have a 40 hour work week position for an artist, an illustrator. I mean, I, I'm just going through my head. I mean, we could have, you know, Dave Ramsey's company, as big as it is, they're going to have a full-time position for an artist illustrator. I mean, a hospital that has 1,500 employees, not lucky they're going to have. So, I, I mean, you're really narrowing down when we think about a company that would have that kind of position. So we have to be realistic. This is not likely to look like a job. 
where you show up somewhere and sit at a desk and do that for 40 hours a week and get a 401k contribution and two weeks vacation. Probably not going to be that at all. So you're talking about taking yourself out of a traditional job and establishing yourself as a freelancer, independent contractor, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call yourself, but in that kind of a vein. I mean, granted, I hope you agree, this is more than a needle in a haystack to try to find a job in the way that you're describing, and especially for the kind of art that you obviously like to do. I mean, unless you're going to get a job for Marvel Comics, I mean, I, I matter of fact, I know somebody that does work at Marvel Comics, but I also know, well, you know what? I know, I know a gal her name is Dawn, and she does work for Marvel Comics, has for years. But you know what else she does? She, um, oh my gosh, I, um, I can't think of the word for it. She draws blood. What the heck is the name for that thing? I can't remember what the name is. Hematologist. There you go. That's what she does. She draws blood. She shows up at 5.30 in the morning, works till like 11.30. It's within walking distance of her house. That provides a basic income and because it's odd hours like that she essentially gets paid for a full day so she works from 5 30 in the morning 11 30 she's finished then she does her work as an artist but being employed like that gives her full uh, health insurance for her family some other benefits she loves being an artist but she also loves the interaction she gets with people as she's drawn blood you know all kinds of unusual stories about what's going on so she's making that work really well now with what you're describing to do the kind of illustrations you're doing we're talking about like a you know charles schultz you know who drew seventeen thousand eight hundred ninety seven peanuts comic strips over 50 years now he literally did do that i mean he stayed in his studio got in there at 8 20 in the morning stayed in his studio yeah lunch he always had a ham sandwich and a glass of milk and continued to work until four o'clock but it was he was very structured in how he did that and of course we knew know the reception for the penis comic strips i mean other people like scott Albo adams who does dilbert or Jim Davis with Garfield, or Gary Larson, The Far Side, or Bill Patterson, Calvin and Hobbes. I mean, if you can get that kind, if you could, you could do that kind of work, where you're doing strips like that and get syndicated, obviously you're home free to do that. But here's a couple of things I want you to check out, Tim. Again, I, you know, to get just freelance work. I mean, could you make a list of 50 organizations that would be candidates for your work? So that you can maybe in the rotation of them where you do, my gosh, you know, three hours a month for each of those and turn it into something that would be consistent of, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I'm just not sure what the market is for the kind of illustrations and art that you like to do. A couple things. For one thing, check out Amazon Merch. If you're not familiar with that, that's a fairly new program. I just got Amazon merch status for us at 48 days. That means we can put up any kind of design that goes on a t-shirt. Now here's what happens with those things. I mean, th those t-shirts, you, so there's no upfront cost or anything. And you can do this. You can put up 10 designs tonight from things you already currently have. Put them on t-shirts. If people buy, you get a commission on the back end. If you put up a shirt for $19.99, which is the most common landing position, you get about $7.32 commission. Well, 
that's that's a pretty good back-end royalty on that. With no cost, you don't have to produce the shirts. You don't have to have a half-million-dollar printing machine like they do to print the machines. They send them out. They're available for Amazon Prime, so they go out second day, free returns. I mean, what a great business infrastructure to be able to plug in just as an artist where you just upload T-shirts. And I know people that are doing extremely well with Amazon Merch. Uh, there was somebody who recently put up, you know, one of the one of the statements made by, uh, let's say, I think it was Hillary Clinton. She talked about the basket of deplorables. <laughs> well, somebody put a shirt up that says proud member of basket of deplorables. Well, there was not too long ago, that shirt went to, to number one in Amazon merch. And on one particular day, it sold 5,000 copies. Now that means at $7 for the artist who put it up, that's over $35,000 in one day. And it's their viral marketing, their organic marketing, because it was a popular phrase. So check out what you could do on Amazon Merch. That may be the ticket where you can do enough things with your current art right there. The other thing I want you to do, get the book. I said I was at a conference over the weekend, Jeff Goins Tribe Conference. Get Jeff's new book, Real Artists Don't Starve. It is awesome for somebody like you. Real artists don't starve. Go through that, and I'm confident that'll give you some ideas that'll really help move you forward. Got some great notes from people. Golly, Lynn Rusk sent me um, a note here. She is the careers editor for nurse.org. I'll put some of these things. Well, I I'm going to put them on our resources. We're updating our resources page, but there's some free guides for nurses in doing interviews. A uh, free guide for nurses and how to do their resumes. I mean, those are cool kind of resources. Thank you, Lynn, for passing those on. We'll get those in our resource library very, very soon. Uh, John says, I have a very entrepreneurial mind. I travel a lot at no cost to me. I'm a pilot for an airline and in the military. I've always felt like there was some need I was missing something I could deliver or something that would make a nice second income to help my family. But, I, but I will not do anything illegal like move drugs or anything. Yeah. As a pilot, there's some pretty good opportunities there. I understand. Um, John says in Kuwait, I bought and sold SIM cards and made good money, but the service limited me. And eventually I reached my limit and couldn't sell them anymore. Any ideas in some need I could fill as a pilot that could help me and my family aside from flight instructing or getting a third pilot job? Yeah, I do. Because when, when you say that you are an airline pilot and also in the military, yeah, I would not recommend a third pilot job. I don't want you piloting a plane when you're in your third job and you're in your 22nd hour that day of flying. No, I mean, you, you have to look for things that don't just require more of your time. So, what could you do that would embrace your affinity for aviation, for airplanes, the military, whatever, being a pilot? I mean, all those things. What are things that would kind of scratch the itch there, but could be set up where it's a system that's working for you that makes money while you're asleep, while you're recovering from the two jobs flying that you already have? That's where I would go with this. Now, I did a quick search on Amazon and just put in aviation. You know, there are books, clothing, electronics, history, model airplane kits. Um, I looked on eBay. There are propellers, watches, tie pins. These are all aviation focused things. Metal signs, stickers, hats, badges, trophies, gauges. Wow. I thought of my friend, Mike Wolf 
from American Pickers as I was seeing some of the things there. I mean, Mike is a big motorcycle enthusiast. If you've ever watched American Pickers, you know that he goes ape when um, he runs into things in people's garages and barns that have to do with motorcycles. Well, you could do the same thing looking for aviation things, but you can also find sources so it doesn't have to be just one at a time finding things in somebody's garage it could be a particular propeller replica or a metal sign or stickers that commemorated something having to do with aviation where you had them made in quantity and then you position them to sell one at a time on amazon i mean there are people that are doing that i'm going to be as this podcast is delivered i'll be at the ces conference in orlando uh, speaking to a whole bunch of people who are making their living and a good living i know many of their stories on amazon these are amazon sellers so i love the kind of things that i hear them talking about that's the space that i would encourage you to look at so that you can be doing something that does create extra income and certainly can do that i mean you could add another fifty thousand dollars to your to your household income I'm not saying that's a walk in the park, but I know it's very, very doable. If you want to add $100,000 to your income, you can do that. But find something that has to do with aviation. So follow your curiosity and your passion, but then create a plan for how to do that. Now, if you need some resources, I mean, I would direct you right to my friend Jim Cockrum. Jim is in my 48 Days Mastermind, and he is the guru when it comes to Amazon selling. His book silent sales machine you can get his book for five dollars and it'll open you up to all the other things that he has available but there's a whole lot of resources there and a whole lot of people that are willing to to help you in that space but i'd go someplace where it doesn't require your time but rather you can put a system in place that embraces your affinity for aviation but creates money while you sleep so it creates money that doesn't require just your time and effort well, you know what? I'm going to wrap it up right there. Got a big day coming up tomorrow. I'm ready to get out of here and uh, get ready to head to the airport. But it's been a delight going through the questions here. We'll add a whole bunch more in next week. Maybe we'll go over a little bit next week. I want to encourage you to check out the 48 Days Eagles community. Just go to 48dayseagles.com. You can see, if you scroll down on that, you can see some previews that we just put in there. You can see all the fun things that are happening inside the group. Uh, we had a gal in there that just won a um, a contest where she went to a, a conference and won a thousand dollars because of a lot of uh, help and direction that we were able to give her in getting her one minute video together, which really rocked. So Trisha Pruis, congratulations to you for that. And those are the kind of things that are happening in the 48 Days Eagles community. So check it out, 48daysEagles.com. Well, let's go out with our stuck regular song here. J-O-B. Go out with that. Hopefully you're not stuck in a J-O-B. You're doing something. You know how to work out of that. You know how to move on to something that's more fulfilling. Yes, there are positions out there, but, you know, in addition to there being positions out there, I always want people to be aware that there's a, a whole lot of options that aren't traditional work models. So if you're looking for a job 40 hours a week with that 401k contribution, guaranteed, you know, retirement, two weeks vacation, and those, those, those don't exist for everybody anymore. We have to look at all the new options for being a consultant, a freelancer, independent contractor. You know, having some little business that you start on your own. Having something where you find 10 companies instead of just one. I mean, all, that's all. That's the only difference. 
You can find a job, but you may have 10 companies that you found a job with rather than one. Those kind of changes open up new doors of opportunity, and we have a whole lot of people taking advantage of those things, experiencing the freedom that today's workplace offers rather than feeling victimized or trapped by the changes that are happening. has a lot to do with mindset, and we'll talk about that some in upcoming upcoming shows here mindset how important mindset is if you have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset you really expect that i worked with a a young client this afternoon who i've I've got his mindset such that all of a sudden he's seeing opportunities everywhere and he's like where were these before i'm like dude they were there all the time you didn't have the mindset to even recognize them so we're rocking and rolling with that well thanks for being part of this amazing community thanks for sharing your ideas your success stories with us this group who is a growing group of people who are in fact finding or creating work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable. Hey, don't settle for less. You know you can do it.